You may have played poker, but playing poker in Texas is a different animal. This is the Texas Poker Podcast with Tyler and Clint. Hello, this is the Texas Poker Podcast. I'm Tyler. This is Clint. What's up, y'all? And we are back with episode 59. Episode 59. So here to kick off this uh, this episode of the podcast, you actually got into a kind of an interesting situation. Yeah, I got in this situation I figured you would find very interesting and probably some of the listeners. But So I was playing at 101 Katie, right? And when you look on Atlas, they have the 1-3 old school hold'em. Yeah, which I actually really like a lot. I mean, it's I like having that as an option. And what that is is... Basically, there's no reverse button. There's no PLO bomb pots. None of that. It's just one three hold them. I think that's such a good idea. Just, and it's not that I don't like the bomb pot or I don't like the reverse button of PLO. It's that I like having the option somewhere where I know I don't have to play that. Well, and like I was talking to you, well, probably on the podcast at some point was. What kills me in these PLO bomb pots is just how much time it takes in all these hold'em games. Yeah, well, I remember like when back when I was in College Station, I had less uh, less options than I do now here in Houston. Uh, we were talking about my win rate and stuff like that. It had gone down a little bit, and a part of it was that the PLO and the bomb pots were such a huge part of it because you were playing at 52 Social, and you weren't doing any of that. But, and we had kind of toyed with the idea of just sitting them out, but that was the pro- the problem is like, if you're paying for time and that's your main rake, well, yeah, if you're going to sit there and not do anything for 10 to 15 minutes, that kind of costs a lot. Well, it really adds up if it's every 30 minutes if you're sitting out for 10 minutes. Because some of those, I mean, some of those bomb pots take an actual 10 minutes Oh, yeah, they take a ton of time. And I, I'm a big fan of the bomb pots. I do like them. But, I mean, without a doubt, 100%, they take a lot more time. Well, because it's basically just a natural progression because, you know, No Limit Hold'em is fairly quick. There's only so many situations. PLO, people tank a lot longer than Hold'em. And then in the bomb pots, now you have a PL, you basically two PLO hands. It's definitely going to you know, take a lot of time to kind of figure out those odds. What do you think about the PLO bomb pot versus the Hold'em bomb pot? I, I really like the Hold'em bomb pot now that nobody does it. Actually, I miss the Hold'em bomb pot a whole lot. Nobody seems to do that at all anymore. Yeah, I'd rather the Hold'em bomb pot personally versus the two. Um, but man, everyone's putting up such a big stink at Doghouse whenever they're saying, um, just talking about some other people who wanted to do a Hold'em Bomb Pot versus a PLO Bomb Pot, and no one had any interest in doing the Hold'em one. Yeah, not the first time we've run into that either. Remember when we were at Empire that one time, and we are like, how about a No Limit uh, uh, Bomb Pot or whatever, and everybody's like, why would you even do that? It's like, well, the same reason you do the Omaha, because it's, it's fun. <laughs> yeah, very loose term on fun. <laughs> I mean, I would be perfectly happy never playing another one. Uh, I like split pot games a lot. Uh, me and you going back and forth on like the edges. Because I think it's kind of a counterintuitive 
Well, one is I've run really great in bomb pots lately too. Uh, so that I mean, when when I was in Austin, it seems like I flopped the nuts and then some on every single bomb pot I was in. So that doesn't hurt my uh, theory on it. <laughs> and my last episode ended with me getting felted in a PLO bomb pot, which we actually have some follow up to that. Uh, you uh, threw the question over to Crush Live Poker, correct? Yeah, I got a, actually a response by Bart Hansen himself. <laughs> yeah, we'll throw that here and maybe after the uh, bomb pot talk first. Yeah, it was a, uh, well, me and you going back and forth, and I like split pot games because when you reduce the variance, if you're a good player, it's just going to, you know, you just come out on top that much more often. Now, the big problem with PLO bomb pots is you lose all the edge of pre-flop. So, in No Limit Hold'em, a big edge you have is that guy who's playing 55, 65, 75% of his hands, and you're playing the top 20. Well, over time, all things considered, even if y'all had your post-flop skills, you were no better than that guy. You would still win in the long run just because you're playing better cards on average. And what really uh, is the hang-up for me is I'm just not as good at um, PLO as I am Hold'em. I'd just rather not play. I know my edge is smaller just because I haven't put in, you know, the hours of playing, the hours of studying. But we go back and forth with this, and you're right. Our, like, I think both our edges are much bigger in Hold'em. Uh, with, that's the material that we studied the most and all of that. But if you've studied even a little bit of PLO, I mean, a lot of those PLO players... They have not cracked a video, a book, or anything. I think a good portion, no limit players have studied. Uh, not all of them. I mean, uh, like, but I mean, a good, a decent portion. Whereas PLO, it seems like very few. It seems like you're just gambling a gambler, and that's, <laughs> I mean, with you know nine of them. So uh, it seems like you'd have to, you wouldn't have to study as much at PLO to still be profitable. I guess I'm still in the like kind of the getting my bearings in my PLO game, right? Because I've been I've been practicing online and actually been playing more and more since we've been at Doghouse. I feel like I've gotten better, but I'm still not comfortable. Yeah, but here's the question: Is do you think on average, let's say let's say all of a sudden only PLO was being played, you didn't have a choice? And you going not from like a year from now, but from right now, if you went to like Doghouse, Paramount, or one of those places, do you think you'd still have a slight edge though? Um, I think I'd have I, would, I think I'd have a slight edge, but I would put in studying to increase the edge for sure. Yeah, well, that was my see. That was my thought is that. You should never sit out on a game where even if it's an ed a slight edge, you still have that edge. I mean, if we can go and do a sports bet, and there's one book we're doing it, and we have a 15% edge, and we're making money hand over fist, but we still have money, and we're kind of tapped out. You can only bet so much. And then there's this other sports book where you can bet as much as you want, but it's only 2%. You really should still do it. It's still a two percent edge. So that's kind of my thinking is why you should like basically, you know, never pass up the opportunity if it arises. Which you don't. I mean, you, it's not like you don't play these hands. <laughs> yeah, I've done that before, and God, you don't talk about boring. <laughs> I mean, you can only walk around the poker room for so long. 
Well, yeah, like I say, I tried it for like a week or two because what it was happening to me was it was both the double board bomb pots and the PLO, but in College Station would be five five. Well, you know, five five actually increases the amount of that pot to no end. So I mean, basically. You're basically just playing PLO and double board bomb pots with little hold'em profits, you know, sprinkled in. Well, and think how short stacked you are because then you're buying it for like three hundred, right? Oh yeah. So I mean, you're basically paying five five PLO with three hundred dollars. I mean, that was not an unnormal buy-in either. So it's the variance is just ridiculous at that point. And that was every thirty minutes. Yeah, that was uh, every thirty minutes. So. It's a, you know, it's weird. I was, uh, it was an old podcast. I was actually listening to it today. There's this uh, podcast called Third Man Walking. They just put it on Crush Live, but it's, it's been a podcast for a while. And he was talking about making the move into PLO from Hold'em. He's a Hold'em pro. And uh, just talking about how god-awful difficult it is because it's just so different. Right, it really is different, but... I mean, I guess it's one of those things, like you said, if you have the edge, you got to try to exploit it while you can, right? Yeah, and I mean, I think it's just good to kind of, in general, because I mean, it, let's say you go into a hold'em game, like, I complain like at Legends, like I ran into a bunch of grinders or whatever, and it's just a horrid hold'em game, and you see a PLO game where it's just off the charts, it's nice to have at least the option to be able to go over there and, you know, battle. Yeah, absolutely. And um, like I said, I actually played PLO last podcast, as you saw by the title. Not great, but I mean, you know, gave it a shot and seeing improvements slowly over time, at least. That's good. Yeah, it's a. Uh... So what did Bart say about the because uh... I know you're the one who posted it right on Crush Live Poker. Right. OK, so. I guess should we go over the hand real we quick? We definitely should go over the hand real quick. Uh, so you tell me the situation you were in for those people who didn't listen and to kind of catch up where uh, you were last last podcast. I'll just give you kind of the the brief analysis of it. It's basically it's a double board PLO bomb pot. I had pocket tens with an ace, a suited ace to go along with a 10, and I ended up with a crummy gutter on the bottom. So I had a gut shot on the bottom, but I had top set for the nuts on the top board with a flush draw not my flush draw but there was a flush draw available so i had the nuts on the flop but i had almost nothing i had a backdoor flush draw on the bottom and a gut shot so essentially nothing in the nuts on the top and i bet 25 um because i was first to act and i got raised called i re-raised to 400 i got shipped all in for about 11 or 12 and then someone called behind and then i called um the guy hit his flush the guy boated on the bottom scooped the whole thing let's say let's uh go over what bart said was the move okay this was in this was uh first i put it on the discord for crush live poker got a a lot of uh feedback on it and then bart actually he kind of rang true with a lot of the uh, subscribers there. So basically I was like, well, you, if you have the nuts, how do you play this? So your bet from 25 is completely okay. And th- but then you get re-raised to a hundred, then a call from a hundred. And then 
everybody basically said it's just a call here on the uh, on this flop and to reevaluate the turn. And the reason being is you have the nuts here, but it's an extremely dynamic board where the nuts are likely to change and you have no equity on the other board. So if somebody has the other board and you know it was and a flush drop there, you're they're just free you're just free rolling them. And whenever you first sent me it, I didn't really like the analysis of it. It took me a minute. Then I kind of thought about it for a while and thought how much that of course it's the right move because how much easier it would have been because of course the flush came on the turn. It went actually four cards to a flush, but I mean I would have just lost that hundred dollars and still had all my money. Yeah, well, I mean, but here's the thing, is even if it doesn't come on the turn, well, if it doesn't come on the turn, everybody said that you could play it harder on the turn. Well, I mean, um, sorry, not just because it came, but I'm saying how much easier it would have been just to get away from it, just to fold when the most obvious draw hits. Yeah, it's a... And, you know, like, it was one of those that I've kind of been on the same route. Like, I will tend to play hands harder because I'm trying to scoop win the entire pot, and if I've got the nuts on one board... But no equity on the other board. I mean, I'm like, well, if I can get them to fold, that's huge for me. Uh, but this seems like this was just... That being said, I haven't played that many bomb pots this deep stacked. You were so deep stacked, which makes it very difficult to navigate. But that was the analysis for... Yeah, it's a... I thought it was super helpful, though. Definitely give something to consider next time. Yeah, very much so. Well, in Crush Life Poker, if you... Like if you are in Texas and doing the double board bomb pots, uh, you definitely need to stop by Crush Life Poker and do like a, even if it's only a one or two month uh, subscription, because they Bard is putting a whole bunch of videos on du- double board bomb pots. Or I don't know how a bunch, but he seems to be cranking them out pretty often. And that's really something that's needed. Cause, I mean, if you try to find study material on double board bomb pots, I mean. I don't know what, I mean, you're just not going to find it right now, or at least a few months ago. Yeah, it was, uh, so it's, I like the game. Like I say, I like split pot games a lot, uh, and this is very interesting. Uh, like I say, I can understand your, you not liking it that much, because it, it, there is a certain point, when you're giving up the pre-flop edge, that is a lot of edge to be giving up. Like, even PLO, where equity's run close, I mean... Still, if you're playing 20 to 25% of your hands and everybody else is playing 100%, you still have that edge. Because they might win as much, but you're going to have their wraps dominated and stuff like that. You're They're going to be hitting lower two pairs, your higher two pairs and all of that. So I think there's good and I think it's like everything in life. There's good and bad to it. Absolutely. Um, so after you, we did the whole podcast last week and you talked about club GG, I actually got on and downloaded it and gave it a shot, man, you were right on the money with that. That is just, if you're not doing, if you want to play poker and that $50, I mean, it's just so worth it. I mean, every hour you can play a tournament and you don't have to play it that serious because it's free. You know, if you're doing something, you can just ship it and just, you know, ship it twice and hope for the best and then just satellite in. I kind of, well, you know, when I saw it, I was like, this is pretty good. Because that was the big thing I missed from the, because I never played a ton of cash. I played some in the olden days. 
and some uh, tournaments. But the satellites and live events are what I miss so much. And considering that's what the entire thing is. And like you say, you get a ton of play for your money. Uh, I mean, too much play. I mean, you literally, or I cannot even play as much as I'm given play. Oh, nobody can. I mean, it's uh, it's a tournament every hour. <laughs> I mean, unless you're going to sleep around, the, I mean, you know, in between every single tournament, nobody can get all of them in. It's, uh, well, here's the thing that impresses me, like, this could have been done so, this was so easy to be done wrong. Because if that first tournament is not very quick and very fast and doesn't give out quite a few stage two tickets, it just, it kind of kills it. But the fact that it is so fast, you can enter it so fast, a lot of times you're either winning a stage two ticket in, you know, 45 minutes or you're out in 10, 15 minutes. You can go about whatever you're doing. I just think they did it so well. Right, and since so I downloaded it, I think that night or got signed up maybe, maybe better the next day, but I think I ended up with like maybe seven or six stage two tickets. I ended up with one final one. I used them. I guess I used all of them. I didn't even realize it. I think I ran two at the same time and fell asleep, but <laughs> <laughs> that's not the best use of your tickets, but um yeah, I actually ended up getting one for the final stage for the to be able to go to the live event if I win. Oh, that's really awesome. That's uh, I've got two. I was supposed to use some of my final stage tickets last Friday. Just got too tired. Uh, you know, I think one that really needs to form a partnership, though. So one thing that's interesting is they have a partnership with Texas Card House over. If you're in from Texas, it's a huge. Because they have Texas Card House, they have a partnership with where you can satellite in their events. Prime Social in Houston, they have a partnership where you can satellite into their events. Uh, I was looking at Facebook today, the Lodge, that gigantic tournament series. Uh, last check, seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars in overlay. That's a damn near almost a million dollars that that club is up for on there. That's a, that's a I tell you what, that's a lot of ten dollars an hour at a time. <laughs> so, what happened with the overlay? The overlay they had seven hundred fifty thousand dollars worth of overlay. This already happened. I it was happening. I don't. I, maybe they cut cut it down a lot, but that's a lot to cut down. There's only so much you can. It, we might have to pack our bags and hit the road right now. Yeah, it's a. But I think that next partnership that needs they need is probably the lodge needs to do that because they're gonna have a whole bunch of high limit events, and I think it's a good thing. But only so many people can you know do three thousand dollar tournaments. I mean, I mean, not many, not many people can. So, but a lot of people would be willing to try to satellite into them for sure, something like that. So, I think that needs to be a partnership at some point. But I am, yeah, I am thrilled with that app. It's. You know, you're not playing serious, serious poker, but it's really, really fun. Um, I just think the play that you get for your money is great. That's that's really what I think. So yeah, so I mean, really good for like new players, new players, and just entertainment. You can something you can do at work, which is kind of fun. 
probably shouldn't be playing poker at work. <laughs> well, no, I mean, like, I mean, you can do it while editing the podcast. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> I mean, I won't say that we haven't opened up a tournament at work before <laughs> and got us a stage two ticket, but it's a, uh, but yeah, no, 100%. Well, like I well, and I think that just that excitement of winning your way into a big event is just so cool. So hopefully that kind of continues to grow and just get better and better. It So that is the same platform that for the GG poker on uh, that Daniel Negreanu and all of them were. That we were looking at like when uh, Brad Owen and Andrew Nimi were doing their little tournament series down in Mexico. That was the same one, right? It's just they're a club-based app through the same company. I'm not sure. I'm pretty. Uh, I'm pretty certain. Okay. I read about it a little bit, and that's like that's kind of interesting because it seems like they're trying to kind of like once poker becomes legal in the U.S. Maybe at some point they want to be already be kind of be set up a little bit. Oh, I definitely agree with that. And so, so yeah, that's. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of fun. Hopefully, at some point, we can win our way into a, a tournament there. So, how I was complaining about how your uh, sessions are made and broken on uh, those PLO double board bomb pots. I guess you have some sessions to talk about. Yeah, I was over at Doghouse uh, the other day. So, I'm going to go over three different types of hands. One is a regular Hold'em hand. Uh, one is a PLO bomb pot hand, and one is a regular PLO hand. It's uh, because they're, uh, they all kind of show different things. So the No Limit Hold'em hand, I have Ace-3 of Hearts. I raise it to 15. Uh, oh, wait, eight, three, it's already raised to uh, 15. I call, and there's three to the flop with Ace-3 of Hearts. Ace-Jack-6 with one heart is the uh, flop. So I have top pair, crappy kicker with a backdoor nut flush draw. Preflop raiser bets 25. I don't think with a top pair of ace I can do anything other than call here. Other player folds. The turn is another jack. Which I, I hate this turn. not Because here's the thing. Is if he was betting with a jack, now he's ahead. And he was betting with an ace, he's pretty much ahead. He was already ahead. So I don't love this. Uh, he checks it. I love to see the check, and I check it back. The river is a two. He bets 75. And this is one where it just makes too much sense for him to have an ace. And I end up letting it go. And not the most of exciting hands, but it does kind of go to show you, like, this ended up being a fairly decent winning session. And an insignificant hand like that, if I not paying off that $75, you know, that led to the wins all being more because I had $75 more to put in the pot. I thought you were going to say you paid them off. I was going to say, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> this is where I thought this story was going to go. And on the river, I paid him, and he had it. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> no, it, was, it's, it really kind of just, I wanted to concrete, like, some of these insignificant hands end up becoming very significant in a session because when you save that money, it ends up going into a pot where you now multiply that money. Oh, I mean, this is a little bit different, but kind of the same where um, I notice also in some sessions 
whenever I like I haven't played a hand in maybe like a few orbits or whatever a long a long period of time. Where I'll be like, all right, well I'll play this just because it kind of opens the range up a little bit, even though it's something I wouldn't normally play. And then I get crushed for you know however much with that hand. I'm just like, God, I should never even have been in there. And that too is something that kind of is um, one of those moments, right? Like kind of what you're talking about. That's you know you didn't get stacked, but you still got hit pretty hard in a hand you shouldn't be in. And how that can all add up into the uh, wins and losses. Well, I remember that for that from when you were a new player and we were talking about poker and you'd be like, well, what do you do here? And it's like, well, once you're there, you're kind of in a stuck situation. But yeah, folding pre-flop and you're never there in the first place. Which, I mean, yeah, playing playing those uh, some hands, you just, you're bound to get, you know, screwed in certain ways. It's a, uh, let me see, this next hand is a double board bomb pot hand. I have king five five six with two clubs. The flop and on the top I flop quads. Oh god, I was there for this. Yep, you were you were there for this one. Uh and then the bottom is eight eight ten with one club on bottom. So I've got the Top locked up to no end, and the bottom I have z- almost no equity. Uh, this is where I really like to uh, pile on. I end up betting and getting a call. The turn does nothing at the, at the top board and is a 10 of clubs on the bottom. Again, I know he's got the bottom board. I know he doesn't have the top board. I want to put max pressure on him. I'll pop for 120. There is... On the river, I hit a flush on the bottom. And I've still got quads up, which is still the nuts up top. And I go ahead and go all in for 208. He tanks for a long time. And then ends up calling to... To, uh, for a pretty good uh, pot, pretty good sized pot here, where uh, you know for the most part, just I uh, got lucky, hit run, run or flush on the bottom board. So I guess your flush was good. Yeah, the flush was very good. <laughs> so uh, I don't remember what he had, but I do remember he had the bottom up until then. So it was a that was a, I guess a well played bomb pot. I mean, if you flop quads up top, <laughs> yeah, it's very sorry. easy to play. I mean, uh, there's no really not much to it. But I mean, really, I won't say that's the most interesting pot. It's a, but it was significant in the session is the reason I included it. And it's a, and like I say, you just try to put max pressure when you know you have it locked up. Uh, this is a pretty interesting hand too. I think this is one. No, this was actually one you were in. Oh boy. <laughs> so I have. It's a regular PLO hand, not a uh, bomb pot. I have five, eight, nine, ten with two clubs. The flop is six, seven, king with two spades. Player bets ten. Another player raises to thirty. Tyler calls. I call. I definitely think about potting here. So I have just a pretty loose wrap here. Six, seven, eight. I mean, well, actually a pretty damn good wrap, actually. Especially wrapping to the top part of the uh, straights. Almost, most of the cards that I hit a straight are all the nuts. As long as they're not a spade. 
I think about potting, but I'm like, well, let's just see a turn because God knows what it's going to be. Turn is a 10, giving me the absolute nuts. I'm like, well, this is going to be a pro- this is going to be a problem getting money out of this. Player bets 40. You call with 440. Do you remember what you had here? I thought I raised, but I guess I only called. This was definitely a call. I remember this hand pretty well. Then I do not remember it. Okay, well then, I don't know what what you had. Uh, of course, it comes around to me. I've got the nuts here on a very draw-heavy board where I, I need to make people pay. I pop for 225. Everyone folds. Uh, the player who was originally raising sh- shows a set of, a set of sevens. So, glad I could put max pressure because he did have a lot of outs. There was a uh, about three, six, nine, ten outs on the on the uh, boards. So, and I'm sure whatever you had, I'm sure you had some outs to my straight. Oh, for sure. But I mean, maybe you had a flush draw that wasn't all that great. That wouldn't seem to make sense for you not raising, but kind of calling like a queen high flush draw. Maybe I don't know. So I'm just trying to I'm trying to kind of guess. But, uh, I mean, if anything, I would think I had two pair. If it was the hand I'm thinking of, but I don't remember. So. Okay, that's possible. But I yeah, mean, normally was... I try to fold if I had something like that. But, I mean, it would have to be the ace high flush draw if I was calling. Yeah, I was a little nervous because, well, I, I, it seems like you'd play the ace high flush draw a little more aggressively. I am so passive in PLO. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Tyler's like, I like to take a real loose, passive approach to PLO, <laughs> which, in all honesty, is probably going to get you paid here as long as you're nut hunting. Yeah, so once I get the nuts, I just open the floodgates and pop, pop, pop. But until then, it's pretty, uh, been pretty passive with it, which I'm not sure if that's even the right way to play, but that's kind of how I've been playing. You know, it's shocking to me, and this is one of the things, and I kind of go back and forth with how profitable I think I wonder if PLO could be. Because it seems like there are no bluffs in PLO. I, I rarely see a bluff in PLO in Texas. I'm sure, it, like, by never, there's only some, I mean, only sometimes. But it's very rarely. <laughs> but it is, I see all the time people make the nuts and getting called with the most random hands in the world. <laughs> I almost never see a bluff. But I almost never see somebody, like, a fold-fold, like, on a big pot on a river or something. Uh, It's just shocking to me that, I mean, like, if the flush hits on the river, and it was a flush draw, and you have a made hand, and someone called all the way down, when they bet that river, they have it 100% of the time. (laughs) But I see it called... All the time. It is amazing, like, how PLO has played here in Texas. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I just got to see those cards. (laughs) (laughs) Tyler's like, don't talk about me while I'm here. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Wait till I leave the room. (laughs) It's, uh, so, yeah, I don't know. It was, uh, so I ended up uh, making 585 on that session. Uh, there was an interesting PLO hand in the uh, next one. I was over at Paramount, uh, Another place I really like to play. And there's only one hand worth mentioning. Uh, I was up... mm, I had been down and had just gotten myself, like, 
unstuck and I was off like maybe 150 or so, I have ace, jack, 10, 3 with a, with a suited ace. Uh, it's a straddle pot to $5. I'm like, well, three Broadway cards and a suited ace. I think this is a raise all day, every day. I make it 20. There's a call. Then it comes back around and another guy makes it 100. Isn't that crazy how someone can call five then make it 100 like a minute later? <laughs> I don't know if it had come to him. I don't know if he called the five or not. Oh, okay. I don't. I don't. I don't want to guarantee it. I will say that. I mean, it's paramount. It definitely could have happened. I just don't know. Uh, it comes back around to me, and I'm not the best PLO player. I mean, I'm still kind of in the learning stages of it. Uh, but I'm. I've got aces kind of blocked. I've got three Broadway cards that can make a pretty a nut straight. Uh, you know, the suited ace. I think even against like a, a hand like Pocket Kings, if it had nothing to go along with it, I'm not doing too bad against. So I end up making the call. The uh, and the other guy that called my well called my twenty makes uh, makes the call as well. We go to the flop and I flop a three with a nut flush draw. So I pair in a nut flush draw. Uh, did he bet? I think he bets and I, and I go all in. No, I think he might have potted it for all in or something. Uh, either way, we, me and the original three better get it, get it all in. And I'm like, well, this is where I'm at. That's you know, <laughs> uh, so I don't know what I don't know what I'm looking at. There are no made straights or flushes on the board, so I think I, at worst I'm probably running like fifty fifty. Uh, the turn is great. It's a, tr a three, giving me trip threes. Oh, man. <laughs> That's, so, I mean, talk about the perfect card. Yeah, it's a, uh, and then I'm like, please, I'm like, give me a flush. Go ahead and boat me. Because I think I'm, the way he's reacting, I think I'm ahead here. I, he hasn't shown his cards, but I'm, once I have the trip for threes, I'm pretty certain I'm ahead. Uh, and then it comes... The flop was three, four, like like eight, like nine or something. Uh, the the river's a seven, and sure enough, he has the open ended straight draw, and river's a seven, and I'm like, and I'm just distraught. <laughs> <laughs> just, as you said, in the car crying. <laughs> I mean. Because I had him. Because that means in that case, I had him down to three outs, or oh, six outs, uh, three twos that were not a spade, and three uh, sevens that weren't a spade. So I had it about as good as I possibly can have it in a PLO. <laughs> I mean, I have run so bad as a PLO hands. <laughs> I got hit by that uh, two outer with the, ace, the aces the other day, and then this. So been run, getting a little bit of run bad in PLO, but you know that's kind of how I think that's how that game goes, right? Oh, absolutely. And I was going to say, is it even really considered running bad in PLO? It seems like everyone's running bad in PLO. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everybody. There's no winners in PLO whatsoever. Everybody's a loser. <laughs> the house is just looking at the game and smiling. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it's... 
definitely a higher variance game without a doubt. But that makes me like when I get it in good like that makes me want to like hold even more. I'm like God Almighty. <laughs> yeah, and then whenever I get it in like as a sixty percent favorite, I just might as well just give the guy my chips. <laughs> uh, one thing I was happy about though is he did not have a great hand. Uh, I had he had an ace where I had dominated like as far as good uh, the uh, flush a uh, pre flop. So it was a good call on the pre flop, which I'm not the best PLO player. So I was glad I made a good call there. I mean, and then bad variance happens. It happens. <laughs> Absolutely. I think this might conclude it unless you have anything else to add. Uh, no, I'm uh, going to try to get some sessions in this week. Uh, Thursday, I think I'll be down in Clear Lake. So I'll probably end up playing at either Spades or South Houston. Or there's a new card club called Gin Mill down there. I was kind of, I mean, it looks kind of cool from the outside, so I might give it a shot. Right, because that'll actually be that Thursday will be the day that you're listening to this podcast. That's right. <laughs> so that'll yeah. be the 26th. Mm. Yeah. So if you're if you download <laughs> it in the morning, then I'll be down in Clear Lake playing somewhere. So come down and play. <laughs> yeah, I'll probably be at Doghouse. <laughs> I have to work on Wednesday. That's what happens whenever you get felted in these PLO double board bomb pots. You got to go to work. Yeah, that's going to be our our poker vlog. Me, just us going to work because <laughs> that's what we do when we when we're running like shit in poker. <laughs> All right, I guess this concludes the Texas Poker Podcast. I'll talk to you next week. That was the Texas Poker Podcast. Go ahead and rack up. Add time, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>